On this episode of Sega Talk, we talk about Nintendo's Bayonetta 2. Why didn't Sega publish this game? What's the what's a Wii U? And is Bayonetta still sexy? Find out on this episode of Sega Talk. Sagabits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Hello and welcome to Sega Talk number 99. I'm your sexy host, George Anetta, and with me, like always, is... Jerry? Is that what your name would be if you were on... Is that is that actually French enough? Jerry? Is that a French name? Uh, you got Jerry. 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 Um, today, we are talking about the sequel to one of the most highest, uh, highest rated and beloved uh, published Sega games in the third party era. We are talking about none other than Bayonetta 2. This episode was actually a Patreon pick. Yes, we have a Patreon. And if you support this fabulous show, which is soon approaching 100 episodes, uh, you get to pick a game and topic for us to cover in future episodes. At all tiers, get memories read. Some in the end, some in the beginning. Sadly, our Patreon picker did not leave memories for this episode, so we're not going to be reading them right now. So we could just literally get right into our thoughts on, or our memories, our history with Bayonetta 2. We covered yeah, this man. game a lot. Yeah, we covered this game a lot when it was being promoted by Nintendo, not Sega. Um, I think there was like a cross promotion sometimes where Sega would say some stuff. Uh, I think Sega Japan mostly. But uh, what's your history with Bayonetta 2? Have you beat it? And what did you <laughs> think of the game compared to the first one? Um, well, my history with it is that it, it was one of those games that when it was announced um, to be a Wii U exclusive, I was pretty pissed off. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people remember that the first Bayonetta was Xbox and PS3 and eventually went to PC. Now, I don't recall if the PC release was before or after Bayonetta 2, but essentially Bayonetta 1 is on multiple platforms. Like at this point, it's on Xbox One, Xbox Series X, PS3, PS4, PS5. But Bayonetta 2 is just locked away on the Wii U until they gave it that Switch port. But for the longest time, it was just like, I don't want to get a Wii U for this. Uh and and I finally actually got a Wii U for um, Sonic Lost World because I was like, oh, they're making like original Sonic games on it. So I was like, okay, now there's a few games that I can can enjoy. And so yeah, I I mean I did end up getting Bayonetta two uh, with the uh, Bayonetta one disc inside. I actually have the receipt in here. It's always fun to read the receipt. So I got this for forty seven ninety five used. So I think not, that's a good price, right? Not, I don't know. Yeah, if it's not like too a bad. Thing. Yeah, I actually got this in 2015, like on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. <laughs> it's perfect because, um, like, the prologue chapter is a Christmas chapter. Exactly, and so I'll be honest though. When I um, oh yeah, here's the little barcode. Oh, there it is. Um, 
when I, I finally got it, I hardly played it, you know? And I think it's because I don't like the Wii U. Like, it's just, I don't like playing on it. I don't like the pad. I just don't like it. <laughs> it's not my favorite console at all. Um, and then the Switch came out, and I'm like, I got a double dip. I want to get it physical. Oh, I can't get Bayonetta 1 physical. I get a code, and it's just like, sorry, I'm rambling, but you know how it is. It's just, it's a, for a franchise I love so much, it's it's all over the place. Like, I would love it if when Bayonetta 3 comes to Switch, they re-release 1 and 2 on carts and, like, reprint it again. Because I think it's out of print right now, right? I, I don't know if it's out of print, but I will say there is only one way to get a cart, and it's in the end of the episode. Um, and it is, oh my god, it is one of my regrets in life that I didn't pick up this version of the game, but... My history with it is I'm like you. I did buy it really early on when it came out. I don't know what. I think it's just that other games came on, came out, and I remember actually losing my uh, save data. Have you ever had that happen where you're playing a game and you accidentally delete it? And you're like, yeah. oh, no, all that work. That happened to me with uh, Super Mario Brothers, that, uh, the new Super Mario Brothers on the Wii U, but on the Switch. I deleted it, and then it deleted my save file on my cloud. And I'm like, no. Oh so it was tragic, obviously. I cried a little bit. And, uh, but as for Bayonetta 2, I actually beat it more recently before I, I, I started traveling over here. Right now I'm in Florida, so you guys aren't hearing my yeti mic so my audio is probably a little different um but yeah i beat it finally the game is actually a lot better than one even though one used to be like i was like oh you can't be one one is so good the pacing on this game is better they let you have a mech randomly like they added so much stuff but so but the game feels like the first game it's weird it's like a direct like it is a direct sequel obviously but like Usually when you be, play sequels, they, like, try to reinvent the wheel, usually. Some games. Not like Yakuza or anything. But, like, this game is like a Yakuza mm -hmm. game where they just started adding more on top. And it's weird because it doesn't feel like Bayonetta 3 is going to be that. It looks totally different. Like, the graphics, the art style, the effects look totally different. This one looks almost exactly like the 360 in a way, you know? Just bigger and better. Right. Yeah, right. so... That's one thing I really enjoyed about the game is that, like, I, it almost, like, they never stopped. Like, it was just, like, a continuous development, it felt like. So. Right. Let's talk about the development of this game. Talks about the sequel to the first Bayonetta game came into the media right after the release of the first game in 2009 with Hideki Kameya. Is that his, how you say his last name? People are going to crucify me for this one. And he's going to block me on Twitter. Hideki Kamiya? Kame yeah, I guess so. Kamehameha. Uh, the first <laughs> game's director uh, that he already had plans not only for a sequel, but a spinoff, which hasn't happened yet. Um, Hideki uh, would later post on his Twitter account that if the sequel would only be possible if the first game sold well, which is kind of a generic message that every developer gives. You know, it's like, Shut up, buy the game, all right? Support it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we talked We talked about Bayonetta 1 in Sega Talk number 62, but it is known that the game has sold 1.35 million units worldwide on Xbox 360 and PS3. According to the 
Planet Games president Tatsuya Minami. He said that Bayonetta was was a big selling title, but it did not beat their expectations they had for the game. Um, so I have a question: Do you consider 1.35 million uh, units sold as a brand new IP to be low sales? And you think that's enough to fund a sequel to the game and try to grow the franchise as a Sega? Um, you know, it's it's it does seem low to me. I don't know. I, I feel like Bayonetta should have been like in those platinum best-selling sort of collections, considering how, how much like. Not just hype leading up to it, but how much people loved it. Like, I still rank it as one of the best action games of all time. But Bayonetta 2, I mean, we haven't, we're not really getting into that yet, but I just feel like nothing can touch it, even its sequels. So, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. um, it does seem weird to me to be like, yeah, let's make a sequel. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know, I don't know. It's it's weird because I agree with you, but it was also like in this weird dark time with like a lot of gamers weren't playing Japanese games. It was like the whole like everyone wanted to play the next Gears of War. Everything was third person shooter, and like even right. Devil May Cry at the time was taking a break, and they tried to reinvent Devil May Cry, and then now they rebought Devil May Cry back as Devil May Cry Five, and that's the highest selling Devil May Cry ever. So. I feel like there's been a turn. Like younger fans are more into Japanese games than they've ever have been, or the market's so large that even Japanese games are finding success. So right. it's interesting. I, I mean, I guess what I'd say about Bayonetta One is that it's it it continues to sell. Like it's one of those long term earners because it is on so many platforms and so readily available that whenever a sequel's coming out, like Bayonetta 2 or Bayonetta 3, like, has a new trailer, people go back and buy it on, like, Xbox or, or PlayStation or, or PC. But what I find so odd about that is the first game, like I've been saying, is so readily available, and yet 2 and 3 coming up are so locked to a specific console. And to be quite honest, I'm not one of those, like, Switch haters. I mean, I have one right here next to me, yeah. but, like... To think that Bayonetta 3 is going to be on the Switch exclusively is kind of sad because I would love to see what they could do on the on the Xbox series or PS5 consoles, and it's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's you know? insane. I mean, Bayonetta 3 looks a lot better than 2, like graphically and all that, and they're doing some crazy stuff with the, the, the hardware the Switch has. But you know it's right. going to be limited, But it's right? the hardware the Switch has. Yeah. It's the hardware the Switch has. <laughs> like, cool. <laughs> But yeah, I know I have to agree with that. Um, I will say it's going to be interesting how Bayonetta does on this Switch because I feel like 2 sold way lower than 1 did. And the only reason right. they're continuing it is because they have a good relationship with Nintendo and Nintendo has so much money to burn. So uh, Bayonetta 2 was officially revealed on September 13th, 2012 via the Nintendo Direct. This is when we got stories that the only reason Bayonetta 2 existed was because Nintendo added additional funding after it was put on the shelf by Sega. The announcement of the game being exclusive to Wii U, which was a console hated by hardcore gamers at the time for a lot of reasons, 
mainly I think it's mainly because the game had a the the system had so many months that had no games. So I think that's what made people not want to buy it. So the obviously the original fans got upset over this and uh, that they would need to buy a Nintendo platform that they didn't need. Um, lead producer obviously uh, Inaba Inaba said that uh, if it if they didn't partner with Sega, there would never be a Bayonetta two. Which makes me wonder if they actually went to Microsoft and Sony and tried to be like getting funding for the game. That's what makes hmm. me wonder. Do you think they did that? Like, actually go to other publishers or other people? You know, it's possible they shopped around, but it's also possible that Nintendo was just the first to come to them. Um, something that comes to mind is a recent title that just came out, Air Twister, from Yu Suzuki, and there was hmm. a lot of hate for it, or a little hate for it, because people are like, oh, I hate Apple products. I'm going to wait till this comes out on PC, or I'm going to wait till it comes out on Switch. And it's like... Do a little light research and you're going to learn from the exclusive Segabits interview with Yu Suzuki that it was, <laughs> it was Apple that commissioned him. This is an Apple-made product, and without Apple, there would be no Air Twister. So I think in this case, without Nintendo, there would be no Bayonetta 2. I, think, I don't think Sony or Microsoft really cared all that much, or at least enough to approach them. They, they have bigger fish to fry. You know, especially at this time, I, I think it was really more like first-person shooter and third-person shooter sort of stuff. Like, this is a niche a niche title. This is like Xbox uh, first few years where Jet Set Radio Future and Panzer Dragoon Orta. Like, maybe then Microsoft would have been on board, but not at that time. And it's crazy. This was 10 years ago. This game is so goddamn old. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's okay, it felt so long from 1 to 2 back then but now it's like yeah. we waited so much longer to get three and not only that the announcement of three to an update like we finally got basically what last year we got the uh trailer where they showed gameplay finally so yeah nine years right so it's a nine year gap it's crazy until the release wow yeah i thought they were going to be so you know, like a trilogy was going to come out before 2014 back when 2009 i was like oh by 2014, we'll already have all three games that they promised, and the spinoff. No way, it right. never happened. Right? Yeah, we thought yeah. Gene would get a spinoff. That's right. Um, according to Game Informer, Sega was consulting, only did consulting on Bayonetta two, and Nintendo just oversaw the project. Planning Games was basically given creative freedom, uh, much like the first game. I think it was it was like one of the one points they made when they announced Bayonetta 1 that the reason they teamed up with Sega was because Sega said they were going to be hands-off on projects. Uh, one of the stories, obviously, was the glasses where they, Sega hated the glasses and they told them, you know, probably take the glasses down and then every character has glasses now in the game. <laughs> right. <laughs> and in this game, they did the same thing. There's other new characters. I think I, maybe Loki doesn't have glasses, maybe. Um, so... They simmered off. I'm trying to think of characters that don't have glasses in the game. <laughs> now I'm like overthinking yeah. it. If they don't, they do somewhere. Like it might be in a pocket or hanging off from what I remember. Uh, but what you what you played or Bayonetta 2, is it evident that Nintendo was hands-off as much as the first game? Well, I mean, Sega was with the first game. Um, yeah, I'd say so. Oh, Loki has goggles around his neck. 
Oh, um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would say so. However, Bayonetta 2 is... If if Bayonetta 1 was like chock full of Sega references and Easter eggs, Bayonetta 2 is chock full of Nintendo references and Easter eggs, mm-hmm. which never really sat well with me. I was like, oh, Princess Peach. Cool. <laughs> I'm like, I want Amy Rose, you know? Yeah. Um, well, so I it kind of felt like a that. betrayal. <laughs> it felt like a betrayal. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I just, I don't really see any Nintendoification of it. It really is a, a pure platinum sort of release. Yeah, like, the prologue chapter literally has her, like, doing that whole, like, it was like, her getting, remember she has that cool white dress thing and the Christmas thing, and then they, like, ripped it apart, and she does, like, these moaning sounds, and then she starts riding one of the angels like a uh, bull, and it gets, like, really sexual. I was like, I'm surprised Nintendo was like, alright, that's alright, we'll put that on the Wii U and, and put it on the Nintendo Direct, and we'll put the character on Smash. It was like, because, like, I, I've read stories, I forgot who it was. It was one of the guys, I think, that did uh, the remake for uh, Metal Gear on GameCube. They said they were making mm-hmm. a gritty, kind of like twisted metal game. And Miyamoto came in and said, like, oh, you should change the guns to balloons because they're more fun and people like balloons. And it's like, dude, you don't get it. <laughs> you just don't get it. So right. that's why I'm surprised, you know, like they've been more lenient, uh, especially in the Wii U era. So during this time, there was a lot of misinformation about who owned what and why Sega decided not to publish the game. Uh, as early stories have it, Sega cut development while it was underway, according to Platinum Games. Moving it to the Wii U didn't change much of development. According to P- uh, Platinum Games, they had a multi-platform uh, engine, as shown with Vanquish, which we covered in Sega Talk 96. And the move was simple for them. So why did Sega decide to shelve the game mid-development? Well, in June 2012, Sega officially announced it was shutting down Sega Europe and Australia, uh, the offices, in a way to save money while the company was bleeding. This downturn in Sega's profits had many crazy rumors before the big restructure happened, including the idea that Sega would announce its last console game at E3 2012, which didn't happen, but going back to seeing the news... I think personally that there was probably talks about canceling console games outside of Sonic. Uh, here is a quote from COO of Sega Europe, Jurgen Post, talking about shutting down Sega Europe and Australia. Sega is entering a new and exciting phase that will position the company as a content-led organization maximizing sales with strong and balanced IPs such as Sonic the Hedgehog, Total War, football manager in the Aliens franchise. The company will benefit from clear focus and realigned strategy for our digital business and packaged goods. And we are confident that it will lead to a successful future. This area, this era is now known as the strong and balanced IP era, where <laughs> they wanted to focus only on a handful of IPs, including Alien, which they didn't even own the rights to. Um, I do have a 2012 post, uh, let me see if I can get that up, that we posted on Sega Bits. Um, what did you think of, oh, look at the comments on the bottom, Barry, and read some of them out loud, because, like, some of these, well, one's from you, from 2012, so, 
And some of them are like the darkest days of Sega history. You know what I mean? So from what I recall, this was kind of like the Pillars era, right? Where people mis- yeah. misinterpreted. Basically, Sega said, we're going to focus on these four games. But it was technically Sega Europe. And people were reading it as all of Sega in America and Europe will only be releasing these games when it was really them saying, these are the games we are developing and releasing. And then we are going to also I think it's localize Japanese stuff. Right. I think it's like put, uh, pushing, they were pushing these games. And I could, right. I could see Sega Europe because they were bringing so much money from PC games going, let's just do Sonic and maybe an alien game or something. But like, let's stop the cons. Cause like, Yakuza was not selling a million units back then. They were selling basically right. three hundred fifty thousand units. So, well, let's let's see. So, some of the comments. Um, I actually let's see what I said. So, I got I said I got to say I understand the reasoning. With fewer disc titles releasing nowadays, there is less of a reason for multiple offices to rain, remain open in Europe for such a small amount of titles. With digital, it is very easy to operate from one location, sending out news blasts, emails, trailers, etc. So I was really looking at it more from a marketing perspective, mm. which does make sense. Like you don't want like, and we actually just saw that today. The Sega Europe Twitter account, as we on this today's date, as we record this, June twenty eighth, is closing. They are going to be focusing all on the at Sega Twitter account for Sega and Sega Europe, Sega America and Sega Europe stuff, which I, you and I have been saying for years they need to do. Yeah, it doesn't like make it, any sense. They it made the no game. sense to like cross post. Remember for a while they were like retweeting. They were just like retweeting, retweeting. And it's like, why do you have a digital team for Europe? Like they should just run the whole thing. Like there's there. We're, we're getting the same titles technically. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, it, but it seems like all the comments here are really, um, kind of in support of it. Uh, there's someone here named Richard saying this is not the end of Saga. Far from it. They are moving with the times. There's nothing wrong with working your key franchises um, in the digital markets proving to be successful to them. So we were all very kind of pro-digital. Yeah. Um, yeah kind yeah. of surprising because now we're like, now we're like, oh, I wish Sonic Origins had a physical release. You know, I know. I think it's funny because like, I think. I don't know. It's weird because at this time it was this weird era, like I told you, where Japanese games weren't selling as well as they used to, and we're back right. to the old era again, where people want. Well, Japanese George, stuff. remember 2013? Our you and I, our favorite Sega game of 2013 was an iOS port of Sonic One and Two from Taxman and Stealth. Yeah, I <laughs> like, do remember that. That was and peak it, Sega. Yeah, and it's like, tell me that now, and it'd be all. Mobile games are trash, but like the, they were on a drought that year. You know, it makes sense that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I mean okay. So lots of future save games got affected by this, including the release of Fantasy Star Online Two. Since then, Sega. Oh my god! You remember that? Yeah. Well, they gave mouse pads out at E3. Yeah, it never happened. <laughs> and since and then, it never Se- released. Since then, Sega has gone went back. And made titles and release titles like PSO2 and Yakuza. They've been successful in the West now. Mm-hmm. Sadly, Bayonetta has continued being published under say, uh, Nintendo. Sorry. So, hindsight being 2020, would you consider this move by Sega to focus only on a few IPs 
to be a mistake. And you gotta understand, they also kind of like stopped doing Yakuza games for a while in the West. Um, I think it was a mistake to push the Japanese stuff aside. I think they should have looked as at that as its own pillar. Yeah. Recall this is before Atlas, so I don't fault them for not supporting Atlas games because there weren't any. But they really should have given more love to the Yakuza franchise, given PSO2 a release. And uh, on that topic, make... like. You don't need to continue to be Platinum Games' sole publisher, but continue to publish the Bayonetta games. Keep that under your umbrella because you own it. But the thing is, is Sega still makes money off of Bayonetta, and I'm sure we'll get into that, but like, they own it outright. Every single piece of Bayonetta merch has copyright Sega on the back. Oh, yeah. And the only thing that's really copyright is the fact that it is a Nintendo game. But Sega owns it. They made the anime, which was, I think, called Project... Project Bayonetta, which I think is kind of their um, term they use for their animes, because Shenmue, the animation was called Project Shenmue, and I believe Shen, the Sonic OVA was called Project Sonic, so yeah. or Sonic Project. So it's kind of like a Japanese thing. But right there, it's like, they were kind of like, Sega was like, nah, we don't care about the games. But they were like, we'll make an anime. <laughs> you yeah, know? and I do wonder, like, because I, 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 Planet Games has come out and said that Sega and uh, Sega and Platinum Games own the franchise, or it's weird because like they'll say that, and then some other people would be like, actually, they don't know what they're talking about. Sega owns it outright, and I think Sega owns the characters and the work done under them. Uh, they still the own the game. characters from Bayonetta Two, but they can't redo the story. Like I don't think they're allowed to make an anime of Bayonetta Two, as far as I know. Right. I mean, you get into tricky areas like they have um, Nintendo items, and okay. so obviously that's a Nintendo. Nintendo owns Chain Chomp or the um, Star Fox characters, but it, it's kind of similar to, I guess you'd say, like Star Wars, because when the first Star Wars came out, 20th Century Fox outright owned distribution rights for the first movie, but Lucasfilm still owned like the characters and everything. So yeah. I think in that case, Nintendo is 20th Century Fox, and Star Wars is Bayonetta 2, and Lucasfilm is Sega, you know, where, oh, yeah. where Sega still owns the characters, they still own everything, but they can't, Sega can't just go around and, like, publish Bayonetta 2 on Xbox. It's just impossible. They can't. <laughs> Legally. Legally. Okay, so, like, that's the thing. Now it starts getting muddy, right? Um, I kind of wish that... I mean, there's never going to happen, but I wish they would be like, okay, Bayonetta 2 is so old already. It's almost a decade. Let Sega, like, pump, make a PC version. Let them make an anime. Um, or even do a whole... I think Nintendo should just be okay with putting Bayonetta 2 on PC and doing a co-publishing thing with Sega. Let Sega do the work. Let them put it out. And it would promote Bayonetta 3, probably, on the Switch and get more gamers to buy the Switch. But True. And that's but that's a problem with the franchise is that it it has now spanned three console no it skipped a console generation kind of technically yeah but each time it comes out they have to re-release all the other games because people are like oh I, I need to play Bayonetta two before I play Bayonetta three and they're like well we 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 ported it again and so it's like what's gonna happen 
with Bayonetta 3 now, like, is that kind of the end of the series? It's just all going to, like, live on Switch and that's it? I'm also it's, surprised it's... that Sega hasn't self-published it on Switch. Like, the first one on cart. Like, literally just the first game on cartridge. Because the game is not really on cart on Switch besides one version of the game, which we'll talk about in the end of the episode. And it's rare. It's super rare. Um, so my thing is like, I'm surprised Sega didn't just publish it themselves. Like Bayonetta one on switch. That's it. No, you don't have to buy it digitally, but yeah, right. I'm surprised about, um, so the story, let's talk about the storyline for the game besides yeah. the, uh, besides the start of the game taking, taking place in a different time period. It's like a, I think a flash forward, uh, Bayonetta two officially starts with our girls shopping with Enzo on Christmas, which I love because I, I love games, Sega game. I mean, this is the Nintendo game, but I love games that have Christmas themes to them. I don't know. It's cool. Uh, maybe it gives me nostalgia. So then Bayonetta gets attacked by angels, which leads our lead character to team up with Jean, which a lot of people don't like the way they pronounce her name in this game. As our heroines are about to win... A demon summoning goes wrong, and John gets her soul claimed by the Inferno. While she's not dead, Bayonetta, Bayonetta has an almost impossible mission of saving her soul within a day. At the same time, we have a masked Lumen Sage brought to the present timeline by a mysterious figure known as the Prophet. For those who aren't key into Bayonetta lore... Uh, the followers of light, uh, the the Lun, what's the Lumen Sages are the basically the light compared to the Umbra Witch, which Bayonetta is a part of. So technically, you're playing as a villain in a way. Uh, hmm. Think of Lumen Sages as light, Umbra Witches as the dark. The game has a bunch of returning characters, which we will discuss, including a kid named Loki, which I'm sure Barry loves, uh, and uh, so a lot of. Uh, Aspects of the first Bayonetta game are still attached to it, including the kid sidekick aspect of it. I don't want to spoil too much for the game players on the podcast since Bayonetta 3 is around the corner. Or is it? I don't know. <laughs> we might be waiting five more years for Bayonetta 3. Um, well, I guess we'll find out. And people might pick up the game to catch up. But what is your opinion on the storylines of these games and are they as important or are they just kind of like salad dressing, you know, the, just to give it that little spice for, for the really good combat underneath it. You know, I think for every um, platinum games title, it's really the characters that drive the, the game, seeing their interactions, their, their personalities. I mean, we, we covered um, vanquish and it's just, it's not overly complex. It's just very basic and kind of boring as a story. Yeah. But the character, but the character is fun. Like the main character is fun. It's um, not the most platinum gamesy title. Like all the other characters are pretty bland, in my opinion. Like it's basically Hillary Clinton <laughs> and yeah. and a white dude who smokes cigarettes. Like that's your cast. Um, Beautiful. You know. Yeah. So, no, yeah. I agree one hundred percent. I think it's the characters that make the game because they're so stereotypical and weird and charming there's something about them like like when i when you reach the end of the game you're like oh i miss that character i wish they did more with that character and that's a good feeling to have in these kind of games the story itself it's more like light versus darkness which is very cliche uh, it's very lord of the ringsy um 
so I think the characters are really what sets it apart. I agree 100% with that. What do you think about Platinum Games continuing to add random kid side characters to their games? Do you think Bayonetta 3 will have a kid character as well? I don't like it. I That's actually one of the reasons I kind of stopped playing the game for a long while. Um, and no, I've never finished this game be- because, like I said, Wii U is just a difficult platform for me to play on. And right now, like 60 bucks entry fee for the sequel, which I already own, but to mm. get it again, it's like, it's too expensive. Um, but yeah, that kid, he's just so damn annoying. And he's like, it reminds me of Kingdom Hearts 2. Where you're like, who are these people? I don't want... Who are these guys? Just let me play the original... I want Sora. You know? And yeah. here it's like Bayonetta. And then it's got like a Kingdom Hearts 2 character. Like just being annoying as hell. I hate him. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't... I, I get it. I get the, the dislike. I don't know why Planning Games keeps on adding them. It's one of those weird things where they're like... I don't know if they just obsess with it or... They think it's hilarious or something. I actually kind of like the idea behind the first one. Uh, with you playing as yourself as a kid, I thought it was cool. It was a cool twist. Um, this oh, one I is, love that, yeah. This one is not as a good twist, I thought. But, it, I mean, I don't know. We might get crucified online where they're like, actually, Loki's one of the most coolest characters ever in Bayonetta history. You guys don't know anything. And maybe we don't. Maybe we don't. You guys need to we school don't. us. So, let like we said, the characters are what drives these games. So let's take a few moments to look at some of the characters. And first, we're going to look at the design changes. Because one thing Bayonetta did is not Simpsons fight it. You know, when Simpsons, they all look the same at all times for the last 40 years. Every game, Bay- uh, Bayonetta and the characters will change. And they will look different. New haircuts. So it's kind of insane that they think this is moments after like it's supposed to be like weeks after Bayonetta one and now everyone's radically changed like it's been years but let's let's right. look at the first one uh Bayonetta the left is obviously the first game the right is also the new game um she cut her hair she has a t- she still has a spandex with the wings things her guns are blue and they changed the motif of the game from red to blue on this game so it's like the opposite right um, right. What do you think about the, which? Okay, so which design do you like better, and why do you like it better for Bayonetta at least? Um, I prefer. You know, I actually really like the Bayonetta two design. I thought I when they were kind of showing that she was going to look different, it it bothered me. But then I really got used to it. I like her hair in this one a lot more. I think. I don't know. I, I, I think it's more stylish and fun. Um, not to say I dislike the previous games, but it's just if it were the same model for three games, it would have gotten boring. And I like that they not only change it up with the hair designs, but with the color palette. So I think three is purple. I could be wrong, which okay. is red and blue mixed, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I, I dig it. I like it. I like that the guns changed color too. Um mm-hmm. One thing I've always wanted to own, but they're just too expensive, are one of the gun replicas. Oh, yeah. Um, but then the thing is, is you get one and you need to get all four of them. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> so I've never gotten that. Yeah. They're cool. I like it. 
I was like you when they first showed the short hair. It's like, what are you doing? I, I kind of wish it was a little longer, but I do like the short hair. I think it, it works. It suits it. I think it's, uh, you know, it goes with their motif that they really wanted to change it radically. So, yeah. I got the, the Amiibo. The, the, I would ca- I call it the key, the Nintendo-fied uh, Bayonetta because she's, like, not as curvy as she is in this, uh, obviously, game. Like, they try to make right. her sex appeal a little lower. And she's still the sexiest character in Smash, so can't handle it, right? No, no. And so the next character is Jean. Um, she is not a radical change. She literally just grew her hair out or let it loose. So she has this really long hair. Um, I don't know if I like the new one or the, the old one. This is one of those weird ones where I'm, like, mixed on. I like her character, but her character design, I don't like her suit in the first one. It has this weird, like, buttons going up. Kind of looks like an Eggman suit. So she's like a female Eggman. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, I never liked the furry collar on the first one because it kind of looks like a big black beard. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I get what you're saying with the hair. I, I think if you took the suit from two and the hair from one, you'd have a winning combination in my opinion. Yeah, so this is one of those, one, in, I'm in between about, oh, Enzo. This guy's probably the main, should be the main character, should be playable, and he hasn't been playable, so hopefully for three we could play as Enzo, because I would love to have like a multiplayer mode where I could play as Enzo. Like he has his own moveset, you know, he's basically, uh, was it Petchy from uh Home Alone, right? No, not Oh, yeah, he's like yeah. Joe Pesci, basically. Basically, yeah. yeah like the, I, I legit went online. I was like, did he voice his character? No, okay. Just someone doing an impression of him. All right. Uh, so he's got the old one. He has like a fur suit, like a little fur collar thing. The new one, he has more like a pimp look, white hat, uh, purple, I don't even know, like a trench coat with a big, long, white, uh, what do they call it, uh, scarf? Um, I don't know which one you like better. It looks like he lost weight in two, by the way. So whatever he's doing, this he diet, lose weight. yeah, he lost a little weight. Good on him, you know. You got to get healthy. So he's probably going to be like ripped in three. He's going to have like a six pack. Um, he's going to be shirtless. I hope in in the scene that'd be awesome. <laughs> what do you think about him? I, I I think they don't use him enough. I think his he should be the side character. That's always doing the comedic relief, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I wish he was in it instead of Loki. But I, I dig his new costume. I like the white scarf. I like that it's open so you get to see more of the character. Like, the coat wrapped around him, not not as cool as uh, what we get into. I like it. Next is Ronan, which is interesting because uh, this guy's a fan favorite character who... You know, had a couple of screen time. He's the bartender from hell. He's the guy that sells you all the stuff. He's the shop owner. And he's playable in two, in the multiplayer mode. Uh, so, mm. And he's also a secret fighting character, I think, if you do uh, certain things, I, which I haven't done on two. So I don't know if he's... I think he might be... Well, I'm almost 100% sure he's uh, you could fight him. But he has a different look. He looks more of like a weird samurai look on the new one, where he looks like he's uh, from an Asian culture. Or am I crazy? Like he has like a, like the weird you know robes they used to wear in the samurai period. 
And the other one is like a leather jacket thing. So they definitely changed him up. He has more black coat. Uh, black coat. Any any thoughts on this guy, Ronan? Um, I prefer his first costume. I think the second one looks like a wet bathrobe. I think that's what they're going for. Yeah, a wet bath. Yes, they uh, they're like, oh yeah, the we has could makes things shiny. Everything has to be shiny. Right. Next is your favorite character. I'm assuming Luca. Bayonetta's and who doesn't love Luca? Uh, and the other one, he had kind of like a three musketeers fencer look and this new one he looks like gambit from uh, the x-men he's like throwing flowers <laughs> he has the fedora i don't know what kind of hat that is uh kind of a cowboy yeah and he has like these bell bottom i don't know they're bell bottom jeans or what like he's wearing those 70s jeans or what she call him cheshire right cheshire yeah yeah which yeah which look do you um, prefer I mean, he's an annoying character, but like a lovable annoying character. Yeah. I prefer the first look. I think yeah, the second one is just downright goofy. He looks like an Instagram model. He looks like, I don't know, I think Planet Games uses him as a joke. And they're like, oh, you know what would be funny? And then they design this character and they all laugh in the office. And they're like, yep, that's the character we're going to use. Um, the other one, he actually looks like an adventurer, which is funny because that's how they introduce him. He's like jumping and doing all this like i'm gonna hunt down bayonetta because they killed my father and all this and then he just becomes a joke character so you know it, it makes sense that they changed him as a joke right away because fans already knew that so right now we're looking at the new characters here's loki he's a i don't know like a, let me see I, I put it on here loki is it is known as the sovereign one is a supernatural being is the first incarnation of the former god known as Lord Asir. Loki split shortly after the eyes of the world and found himself in the present time with amnesia. He He's even briefly hmm. playable in the game. Um, he also has, like, he looks like he's, I don't know, he has, like, white hair, but it's, like, in cornrows, and he has these really baggy jeans. And he kind of looks like a character from Fantasy Star Universe, like with the jeans and stuff, and the weird green jacket. Yeah, a little bit. Or if if you were to really stylize him, he could look like a Jet Set Radio Future character. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of has the look of like soda mixed with um, like piranha. Mm. If you know those characters, yeah. I don't know. It's it it. He seems like one of the low tier. Jet Set Radio Future characters, where you see them, you're like, oh my god, I completely forgot this character existed. <laughs> That's Loki. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next is Rosa, which obviously is an extremely powerful Umbral witch who happens to be the mother of a woman named Bayonetta. You've probably heard of her. She's also a secret playable character if you beat the game on hard. She was actually shown in the first game via flashbacks. I actually just thought it was Bayonetta, by the way, in the mask. Um, she's also play. Oh yeah, I already said she's playable in Tag Climax, which we'll talk about later on. Um, she looks like literally like a mask bayonetta, right? Like proportion wise and everything. It looks like an alt costume, like a DLC yeah. costume, basically. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, or like a masked, or like a cont- contestant on the Masked Singer, and it's like it's bayonetta, and you go, oh. 
Yeah. She has like chains <laughs> and uh, I do like that her uh, sleeves look like roses when they open up yeah, like that's that. Cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. A cool design choice. So the next person, which I mean, I don't want to talk too much about who's behind this guy's the masked lumen. He's the bad guy of this game. He's a, a returning character from the first game, but I don't want to spoil who's behind the mask. Uh, he's it's also Rudy Giuliani. Oh, it is actually no. He's in the multiplayer <laughs> mode. He's actually in the multiplayer mode as himself without the mask. So right. uh, yeah, that's I don't want to say much more about that. So yeah, I, I don't. I mean, his design's cool. I like the dual lightsaber. It reminds me of a Darth Maul, but like all white. Yeah, it uh, does. Yeah, so that's yeah. I like his design. It's cool enough. So let's talk yeah, about gameplay. I like it. Beta 2 really keeps a lot of the same aspects of the first game, including witch time, the overall controls. Like, I think the controls were actually perfected in the first game. Like, when you hold down the button, it does a harder attack and all that kind of thing. It's, like, so easy to remember. You don't have to add, like, a hard button. You know, like, when you play Street Fighter, they have a light, medium, and hard and this one, you just hold mm -hmm. it down, and it takes longer. So, you know, it's obvious, like, how it works. There's also torture attacks again. Players will earn uh, grades after each section, and grains uh, basically work the same. There is a lot of, if it's not broken, don't fix it, that the team did here in this game. And just kind of improving the overall first game. Uh, the game does add... Uh, urban climax, or is that Umbra climax? Maybe I missed it. Umbra, yeah, 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 yeah. And that can be activated when your magic gauge is full, uh, and you fill it up by attacking enemies. She, uh, she will also replenish some health in this state, so it kind of makes the game a little bit easier. Not super easy, but this game I thought was a little bit easier than the first game. Uh, the game also has a lot of new weapons to equip and unlocking, including returning ones like the chain. Oh yeah, and new ones including the chain chop villain from Mario as a weapon, a bow, and plenty of different swords and even a whip. Unlocking and using these different types of weapons is part of the game's charm. So, when you play, uh, when you play games do you experiment with when you play bayonetta do you experiment with the weapons or are you more of a vanilla uh bayonetta player um i'm always one to try out other weapons and i typically find one to my liking that's not the vanilla selection um i like anything that's like rapid contact uh rapid firing and like long reaching um so anything like that is cool with me or stuff that's just like super brutal um, that kind of holds enemies in place and just like attacks them. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in Fantasy Star Online, my favorite was the spread needle, which shot in three directions nine times. Mm. And I we called it the cheese needle because it shot like yellow um, bullets and they would like stick in characters, stick in enemies and then like uh, uh, like... What would it do? It, it would, like, uh, freeze them in place, and then you could just keep attacking them. I like those types of weapons. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't recall. Does Bayonetta have, like, a crossbow or a bow and arrow or something yeah, like that? Yeah, in this one, they have a bow and arrow. Uh, yeah. I forgot yeah. what it's called, but, yeah, they have one. Um, yeah. So, those those are cool. 
Beta Beta 2 also introduces a brand new mode called Tag Climax, a multiplayer game mode which is actually playable online and local multiplayer. Online only on the Wii U, which I think is down now. You can't play any games online. Where you can team up with other players and take on hordes of enemies. This mode features multiple playable characters, including Bayonetta, Jean, Rosa, the Masked Lumen, uh, uh, Rodin, and uh, during the single player mode, you will unlock burst cards. There's about 52 to collect, and then these unlock tag uh, climax features, including the playable characters. You can uh, choose to play with friends or randoms, if you're on the Wii U, obviously. And even computer-controlled partner, if you don't have no friends like uh, me, or you missed out on the Wii U online. So, you know, there's ways to play it. I mean, I would assume that it's cooler to play with your friends than playing it with a computer. But, uh, you know, we could do what we could do. So what do you think of uh, Bayonetta attempting to add more modes like this in the sequel compared to the first game? And do mm. you think Bayonetta 3 will actually expand on this? Do you think we're gonna be, they're going to be doing another multiplayer mode? Um, I mean, I always like to see studios like Platinum Games expand their games with sequels. Um, like... You know, we, we covered uh, Anarchy Reigns, and I think there was something there to, like, have an Anarchy Reigns kind of mode, but with all Bayonetta characters would be really cool. And this kind of does it, um, but I, I think it would be a lot of fun to see that expanded upon, or maybe even have mini-games that emulate other Platinum Games' play styles, but with Bayonetta characters. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, I don't see that happening. I don't really see the Switch as a major multiplayer console so i don't know that three would actually expand on this i'd like to be proven wrong but i i, I just kind of don't see it happening especially when they didn't really push it for the port of two you know what i mean like i think it doesn't seem do, to be interest yeah i i think if they do do it i think nintendo would probably would be smart to get that multiplayer mode and put it for free on the Nintendo Online. You know how they do that whole, like, you pay for the online and they give you free online games. They have the Tetris Online. Right. And they have, uh, they probably have something else, uh, Bomberman or something. If they could do that, I could see it. If it's deep enough, uh, I could see people actually playing it just because it's free with their Nintendo subscription. I know they do Super Nintendo games too. Um, and those have online modes. I've never played it. I don't know if the online mode is actually good. On those games, like, you know, the Super Nintendo, you could play with other people online. Uh, I've never played it with anybody online. I don't know if they're actually well worth it, or if the netcode's good. But if the netcode's good, it's, it has something above a lot of the Nintendo games. Because I played Splatoon 2, and the online was not the greatest. I'll just be, I'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, okay, so references, all right? When the first, when we... Did the episode for the first Bayonetta game, we talked a lot about the Sega references in the game that were all well-documented online. But Bayonetta 2's references are sort of harder to find online compared to the first game, oddly enough. And I think it's because Bayonetta 1 had more references, like really obscure references. And I also think that uh, Sega fans are a little more crazy that they go in there and they look for every little reference they've ever seen ever in a game. But the easiest right. ones are all the Nintendo outfits that got included. The outfits are found within mirrors, which are buyable in uh, Rodin's shop. 
so to unlock most outfits in Bayonetta 2, uh, it doesn't simply give you an outfit, but it also changes a lot of the things in the game. Like, your moves change, so like if you have the Princess Peach outfit, you get Bowser's hand instead of the, the weave. So they actually did uh, put a lot of effort into this, so I will be playing a couple of them right now. Um, I got the Princess Peach one, so this is like a minute, and we'll see a few of it, and you could uh, tell me what you think about it. Um, so this is the Princess Peach costume. You can also get the Daisy one. Hmm. See? Oh, nice. So there's two of them. Yes, yes. And then, like, the Bowser's hand, right? That's pretty cute. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's kind of sad because we won't be seeing uh, Sega stuff like this. But, yeah. So, yeah, it's just fantasy. Right. And then it's Bowser's hand that comes out instead of the weave. But, yeah. So that's... I think... Yeah, and I think that was the thing. Is like when I saw them doing this for two, I was like, "Man, that's such a missed opportunity." They didn't do that for one with Sega stuff, so we're never even. It's not like they gave us the Sega stuff and then I'm complaining about Nintendo stuff. Oh, never yeah. got the Sega stuff. Yeah. Oh well. Maybe next time, right? I mean, maybe next. I mean, I don't think three will have any Sega uh, references, sadly. But uh, here's maybe the in link. twenty years. Here's the link one if you guys want, if you want to play it. Um, this is pretty obvious. I think it looks funny that she's wearing the uh, link suit, which I think looks better on her than on a guy, because like it has a skirt. And literally. Sonic wore it. Sonic wore it too on the Wii U. Everyone was wearing his outfit. Mm. Yeah, it's basically free. Like everyone gets it once you make a game on Nintendo, you get a, the costume. See, and then who did the, it better? See, and then when they die, they. Bay they they do the little crystals from uh, instead of the yeah yeah. So they that's they, pretty they, cool. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I, I that's one thing I really like about Platinum Games is that they put a little effort, a lot of effort into the Bayonetta stuff. Like the references that on uh, Sega games were kind of insane. I thought like the little things they put in there, like they literally did an afterburner and then, like you know what I mean and hang on stage so. They didn't do that on this, but yeah. So right, but I think she would have looked so cool in a space harrier outfit. Oh, dude, yeah, I know. I was going to ask you that after this whole thing, but here's Samus. Um, I think this is the coolest one because I really like Samus, but it just looks like Samus, but with the helmet up, so you can know that it's Bayonetta. Right. And then I think she, her gun's the blaster or whatever. That's really cool. See, it's the actual blaster from the game. But yeah. <laughs> See? So that's pretty cool. I, I actually think it's a very well thought out. See, and she even does the rolling ball. So cool. Mm hmm. Yeah. They put a lot of thought into this. And the last one is the Star Fox one, which is kind of weird because it makes her look kind of like a furry. Nothing, nothing wrong with being a furry. Yeah, it does. But uh, let me play it. Yeah. And it's funny because I this is I see the uh this is before they announced they were doing Star Fox Zero Guard, which is weird because they weren't the original developers for that. They came in to help it, I think, right? Like I think it was behind oh, the That's development. interesting. But they started putting already references here. And then the level, the 
Isn't that cool? Like that could have been space Harry. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. You think that there was like a idea that they were going to do this and actually put Sega stuff. And then they were like, all right, we're Nintendo now. So, oh, well, Brawl Shooter, <laughs> Star Fox is the only one they have. Yeah. Hard to say. Yeah. But yeah, that's, oh, that's the cool. references. Yeah. Right? Costumes are really cool. Definitely worth checking out. They're very expensive in the game. So if you're going to be buying them, you're going to be playing a lot and grinding out coins or what are they, rings? Uh, so if you get the Nintendo Switch part of the game, uh, I did put this on here, but they're not really worth uh, reading. Basically, if you get the Nintendo Switch part of the game, you could play, uh, you could scan Amiibos. And if you scan like Mario, they'll give you a little like message where it's like, I think they were teasing Super Smash Brothers. It's like, wow, why are you in the Mushroom Kingdom, uh, Bayonetta or, or whatever they say. So they, they gave you a little more references in this game. Uh, if you scan it, so the Switch cool. version. I, actually, I would say the Switch version is worth getting. It's probably the best version since you can't really play the Wii U one online anymore. That's the only thing it really had over the Switch. Everything else is better, runs better, and all that. So definitely. Um, so okay, so t- let's talk about the last bit. Pro motions for this game. In our last Sega uh, Bayonetta Sega talk, we talked about how Sega teamed up with the Playboy Mansion to have an event for the game yeah. there, which I was actually invited to, but I mean I couldn't go. It was in the East Coast. Like maybe you could have gone. That would be cool. The Playboy Mansion? You didn't go? I mean, like honestly, I I think at the time it was like work, or I just didn't want to travel to it. It would have been weird, like. Let's be honest, how awkward is it to have, like, these girls parading a game around? Like, you know, it's not as interesting as, as they make it seem, right? Like, it's a PR event, right? Should have win, right? Do you hate me now? Yeah, I knew it. Anyway, um, Nintendo and Platinum Games continued this tradition with Bayonetta 2, but this time having a Bayonetta cosplay girl featured in the magazine as a layout, and I have... Hmm. I see, it's funny because this Photoshop... They, oh, I remember this. Yeah, yeah. This Photoshop looks like a Photoshop I would make like 10 years ago when I started learning Photoshop. I'm like, oh, you can crop people out? Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, some of the pictures here, they're not super sexy. Like, they're, she's not nude, obviously. Um, the, she... Her her le- arms and legs are so short when you see her in like the actual game in front of the moon. You oh, realize yeah. how like elongated Bayonetta actually is. Yeah, like impossible proportions, right? Uh, yeah, that's see, cool though. the The most risky one is her naked, but they're covering her, and she has the guns. I don't know if this actually Whatever. sold copies of the game. I don't know if anybody's like, oh, Playboy. Oh, right. Is that in an issue? It's supposed to be in an issue. Or was it a... I'm wondering, too. I actually didn't look that up. Let me see. Or is this like an online exclusive? Uh, Okay. Hmm. Uh, I'm trying to look here. Oh, it's on the Playboy site, as well as... Oh, Pamela Horton. That's the, the model's name. So I'm assuming it yeah. was just an online thing, which, I mean, it's kind of lame. Yeah, I, it would have been cool if it was the magazine so you could have something physical. Because I know you have a couple of uh, Playboys that have, like, 
Sega references? Is that what it was? I have one. Yeah, I have one that um, from 1976 that shows up the Sega big screen TV, the Sega Vision. Did you, did uh, it's you, pretty funny. Did you buy the magazine because of that, or did you already collect? Yeah, Playboy? I found. Well, so I have a, a store near my house that has like a warehouse in the back, and they have like the last like forty year, years of Playboy magazines. And I just like like I was like oh, I remember a Playboy magazine, so I checked Sega Retro, and I was like, all right, it's if I can find it within like a minute or two. I'll grab it, but I don't want to be like looking through Playboys for the last like the next hour. Mm. And I reached in and literally like the second magazine I grabbed was the issue. And I'm like, bingo, <laughs> I'm going to take this home. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. I also want to get the Marge Simpson issue. I want to get that one. Oh, there's a Marge. Was she nude in it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You wow. see, um, I think you see everything. Oh. It's official. I don't want to see it. It, it would ruin my, uh, my, my respect. No, I'm joking. It would be weird. It's like seeing your mom, right? Like I don't know. She's like the mom of the Simpsons. It's weird. I, I she's get not my it. mom. She's not my mom. You're right. It's like watching your friend's mom. I guess it's cool. She's not my mom. She's not my mom. Yeah, right. Um, so let's start. Uh, I do have one at uh, a couple of ads here. Uh, this one I actually kind of like. It's the uh, e- it's uploaded by eBay EB Games Australia. I'll, uh, let mm-hmm. me, let me get it, uh, I'll play it now. Heaven condemned me, and hell deceived me. Now, it's time to teach them both a lesson. Nothing will beat the... The baddest pistol studded stiletto. I'm going in for the kill. With blinding combos, new unimaginable weapons. Blinding combos. Over the top demons to summon. Yeah. Bayonetta 2, only on Wii U, includes Bayonetta and Bayonetta 2. Bayonetta wow. So, yeah. How are there... Oh, wait. Go. I'm just... I'm commenting on the video. Uh-oh. I know. No one commented on it, so I'm saying first. It's crazy that it only got 7,000 views, right? Let me see if you... I can, oh, I, right. I can't see... And no comments, unless they're deleting them. Maybe. People are like, oh, look at that wussy. It's it, also Ronan being the uh, the announcer for it. Cool, I like it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. The next one is just the we uh, the Japanese one. So uh, this is the one with the Sega logo, I think. No, I maybe not. Oh, I like that this focuses on the uh, Christmas theme. Uh, I mean, the Christmas beginning. Yeah. I love her dress that she had. We it, it does give out more of the game than the other one. Yeah. But uh, I will say about this com- these commercials, how low re- uh, views they have on YouTube. It's like promotion. 2,000 views. Yeah, so I'm saying. The other one was uploaded by an official channel. It's like 7,000 views. It's like commercials like this don't get like as much traffic as you would think and it's funny because like uh, and it looks uh uh-huh it's funny because i think like people tune into events more it's weird right like when you go see something like uh the video game awards or nintendo direct there's just a bunch of people watching it because they want to see surprises but like 
releasing a random Bayonetta trailer doesn't get people excited. I think Nintendo hit gold with the idea of like a bunch of games all in one 30-minute event. Like I think that's what the future should be for these kind of announcements. Like Sonic should have a Sonic Direct, Sega Direct, or some sort of thing where they show you finally the gameplay and then they, they talk to you about it instead of just releasing these random oh, man. trailers. Those Japanese got so lucky, though, because um, Bayonetta 1 and 2 had their own cases. Yeah. And, oh, well, 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 and a slipcover yes. for Wii U. And on top of that, the cases are black. Yep. And the weird like blue Wii U is like, oh, that's so much better. So that leads me to the last bit of this podcast. Commercials are cool. But I want to end the episode with something I actually had in my cart on Amazon Japan uh, when it was announced. It's the, uh, what's it called? The Bayonetta 1 and 2 Nintendo Switch Climax Edition. Uh, I I couldn't check out the game before it came out. Like, I was literally on the site, and I'm like, I'm going to check it out. I think it was like 120 bucks, super cheap. And it's the only version of the game with the actual cart for Bayonetta 1. Uh, now, I checked it last mm. night. It sells for 368 bucks on Amazon Japan and over $400 on Jeez. eBay. Uh, before the pandemic, it was going for $200. And I was like, oh, I'm not paying $200 for, for a, a re-release of Bayonetta. Now it's doubled in price. So I don't know. Uh, so here's what it looks like. It has just, you know, it's a box. You know, it's whatever. And it comes with Bayonetta yeah. 1, Bayonetta 2 in its own cases, with the carts in it, the steelbook, the uh, the cards that you see when you play the game, the, the tarot cards, style cards they have, and stickers. I don't really care about the stickers. What I want is that cart. I don't know. Something about owning it, like you said, owning Bayonetta 1 and 2 on cart. Like, what's I, that? that's what I want. Yeah. And I don't know if I want to pay four hundred dollars for that. I don't know. Would you pay? That's almost a PlayStation right. Five. That's why I'm really hoping they get a re-release. And and I I sent you the link. The um, Wii U Japanese two pack is also super cool because the artwork has her leaping on the front, and then on the back it's Jean with no copy. It's just her, and then some of the legal text below, and it's the same. For Bayonetta 1, so if you get both of them, you get Bayonetta on the front of both of them and Jean on the back of both of them. And it's black plastic with the Wii U, like, shaded black. It's so stylish. It looks so much better. Oh, yeah. I love it. Is this the only time that there has been a Wii U game that they let them change the case? No. um, Mario and Sonic... It, London was yellow. Okay. But it's very rare. Yeah, because Nintendo's yeah. guidelines are ridiculous, I've heard. Like, you know... Right. Li- limited run games literally... Oh, yeah, I've... I've ruins games because of... Right. The- I've not gotten certain limited run games releases because I'm like, oh, it looks just like a Sega Genesis box, but you put the big red Switch thing on the front. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, like, oh... Not getting that. Yeah, and they said on the thing that Nintendo forces them to do that, so it sucks for them because I'm pretty sure they hate doing it. Um, so that's all my notes for this episode. Um, so we'll close it up on your final thoughts of Bayonetta 2. Are you thinking of going back and maybe 
give it another spin when you have free time on your hands, or are you I'm, content? I am itching to get that uh, Switch release. Um, I think I'm going to pull the trigger probably next month and get that. I know it's digital code only for Bayonetta 1, yeah. and it has a reversible cover, which makes no sense because I want to have them next to each other. I think they should have done what... Um, Sega did remember when they gave the apology bonus um, slipcover for uh, what was it um, Yakuza Five, right? Because it never got a physical oh, release yeah, in America. Yeah. I forgot about that. Was- so they a very cool bonus was just a empty PlayStation Three case, and I think it would have been really cool. I don't know, like give give you two two covers inside. I don't know, but um, but yeah, I, I really want to revisit this game. I'm assuming three is a ways off, so I've got some time. But yeah, you've you've pushed me over the edge. I'm, and I also want to look at those Playboy images. Um, that's what did but, it. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah, and I actually want to go back when I go back uh, home and I could actually play console games. To I try mm. to play it on the on the emulator actually here on this laptop not good i was like no i can't play like this it, it chops up randomly i'm like no 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 i'm gonna have to wait and actually play it at 60 frames per second so i'm gonna t- totally play that when uh, i get back so i kind of want to unlock some of the stuff that i didn't unlock like those nintendo outfits uh i actually don't own it on switch so i'll probably just buy it on switch and then replay it on there um yeah, I, I don't buy. I didn't buy it on Switch because I thought I was going to be able to buy that Climax Edition version. But now it's like it's too expensive. It's uh, unless I get some random deal for it at two hundred, I'm not buying it. Sorry. But that's it for this episode of Sega Talk. You want to read the memories while we go leave? Absolutely, yeah. So if you support us on Patreon at any level, you get your memories read at the end of the show. Also, if you back us at the $20 or more tiers, you get to pick what we talk about. And right now, we're coming up on a a light period of picks, which th- the first six months of this year, or, le- or even the last month of 2021, it was all Patreon picks. So if there is a game that you want us to talk about, and we get people in the YouTube comments, and we get people on Twitter, and we get people on our Segabits Discord saying, talk about this, I tell them, support us on Patreon, and we will talk about it. Like, it will be the, like, the episode next month is going to be the game you want us to talk about. So that's how you get it. You know, you gotta gotta keep us fed. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Um... (laughs) So, with that said, here are the Patreon uh, uh, memories that we have. So, we have uh, Daniel Andres. He says, Bayonetta 2 is great. I don't know much about it, though. I'm pretty far into the first one still, and I have seen the opening cinematics to the game. I do remember its initial release being a big deal for the Wii U, and that Sega wouldn't really fund the game. Thanks, Nintendo, for basically saving Bayonetta. Uh, Next up, we have... Bobbert Castaneda, who says Bayonetta 2 is one of my favorite Wii U games. I was one of the few people excited for this game because becoming a Nintendo exclusive. Wow. It's as fun as the first game, and the graphics are beautiful. The best looking Wii U game for sure. Glad this game has been ported to the Switch. And here's hoping Bayonetta 3 is great as well. 
Then we have Nicholas Schaefer. And actually, I should mention Bobbert um, is a uh, Patreon picker. He didn't pick this episode, but he is a Patreon picker, so good on him. And also, Nicholas Schaefer is also a Patreon picker. Didn't pick this episode, but good on him. Thank you, thank you. Um, says Bayonetta is not a game I ever got into, but I feel like I was one of the few people who actually liked the Wii U hardware, though I was let down by the software. Oh, that's interesting. And was fascinated by the hate for Nintendo that Bayonetta 2 garnered from Sega fans. I think it's amazing that Nintendo saw a Sega franchise that had potential and was willing to put their wallet behind it. So for me, I find the discussion around it fascinating, even if it's not my type of game. Well, I'm, I'm sure you're going to enjoy the first uh, 45 minutes of this episode <laughs> then, because that's almost all we talked about. Yes. <laughs> and that, that just about does it. Um, I know episode 100's on the way. I don't think we should spoil it here. No. Do you? No. I don't think so. No. It's going to be... It's, it's baby boom. Yeah, I mean, Baby Boom, the new... I don't know, I thought it was interesting that... I hope... Yeah, I don't want to get into it right here, but I hope Sega Forever, the uh, retro channel, does more unreleased games like that. So, but... Yeah. As for episode 100, uh, we're going to take you for a ride, and it's not Marvel vs. Capcom 2, sorry. So, but you'll see. We'll see. Shenmue 3! We'll see Oh, wait, no, we already did that. Okay. Bye.
My huckleberry friend 